Greetings and welcome to episode 78 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Christopher Jarvis, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode are Mug 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 Grant Wolcott. Good evening! <laughs> uh, host of Top Shift, uh, Jeremy Collin himself. Colin. Hello. <laughs> you distracted me. I'm now having to do a loop of shame. Uh, and sporting a Lavecon skin for his Cobra, uh, and I'm assured a leopard print miniskirt, it is Ben. It's not a miniskirt, it's a kilt. Keep <laughs> saying this. <laughs> but still leopard print, you don't deny that. Damn right. It's leather with a leopard print on the leather. Nice, nice. That sounds classy. <laughs> if you'd like to, you can join us in live. Uh, we're hanging around at Lave Station. We're in beta. We're in beta, I was about to say. And that's just in open, isn't it? Excellent. You can also log into the IRC chat channel, uh, hash lave hyphen radio on QuakeNet. Um, we've got a little plug-in for that on the laveradio.com website. And you can also join us on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash lave radio. So I'm going to just check in on the rest of the commanders here. Uh, Grant, what have you been doing this week? Well, it's been a really interesting week, actually. We obviously were hot off the end uh, on Thursday of last week of the Hutton Orbital Community Goal for the community for that Hutton Orbital mug. And we managed not just to hit the tier where we got the mug, not just to hit the tier where we can buy them in quantities of 10 or 20. No, we hit the second to last tier. We hit it and we were halfway on the way to that last tier when it came to a close. And that was against the odds in a massive convoy on the Wednesday night that was possibly... One of the most interesting and exciting community get-togethers uh, that we had out of the lot of them. It just seemed to be that every time we did a convoy, it got more and more intense. Because on the Wednesday night, Code issued their demands for 550 billion credits and they wouldn't blockade us. And uh, it inspired people to uh, come out with their fighters and... It all sort of led, we did the convoy, there was a couple of bits of problems, not too many, and then I came back on another last minute, um, my last run of the whole community goal, and ahead I got the messages, you know, this, this station is closed, you cannot enter, you shall not pass! And um, <laughs> I thought, crap, right, well I better start, you know, begging. Oh, but think of the children, they've got mods, they need this urgent delivery of scrap. But no bites, and then I got this message coming over a local going, ignore them, we've got them. And you can see all these targets <laughs> swinging around and trying to interdict each other on the scanner. And you're just going through keeping an eye to see if any of them are swinging behind you. And you just go, come on, come on, I can get there, I can get there. And you drop out and you look in your scanner, I was... Awesome fun, and <laughs> it's just kind of no, been a bit of a, a bit of a hangover since then. It's just kind of like kind of you know Hutton Orbital Blues. The but we have regrouped because obviously Beta's coming uh, to be stress test this week, and we have a number of plans and activities to do over the next two weeks leading up to the massive plan of a convoy to find somewhere to sell these mugs at so that's on the 10th of october but we'll probably talk about that next week yeah and that's presumably going to be a big multi-jump convoy rather because there isn't anywhere really that's a long flight like Hutton, is there that's right we've sent out there is a competition running at the moment for members of the community to find us a suitable destination at a suitable distance and to plot the course because 
Obviously, we can't all assume that everyone's got a 15 light year jump range, so we're going to have to do small jumps, regular jumps. Have you, you know, we'll have fuel rats on standby to fill. I think the way it's being pitched is if you can imagine, you know, Battlestar Galactica, they all synchronized their jumps yeah, and they yeah. all went, and then they had to count how many ships made it. So <laughs> we're going to try and go for that kind of feel to it. So it should be really good fun. And if you want to see more, keep an eye on the Hutton Orbital forum threads our facebook page twitter and yeah keep listening to hutton orbital as well when you're playing your game other than tonight because obviously you're listening to us here how do they get in contact with you for those system suggestions well there is a number of ways i think the forum at the moment people have been on touch on the hutton orbital group on facebook but if you just email anything to i took part at huttonorbital.com then it should suitably annoy mike snoswell enough to shout at me and dave <laughs> and we'll get that information so. and when you say about counting the number of people that have uh, made it in terms of the jumps now is that, is that just because of combat or is that because of instancing as well well th- this is the this is the interesting thing because obviously we were quite critical of code and called them out on a number of things just the way that they were interacting with us which didn't quite fit with the feel of the things and it didn't make sense for pirates to attack scrap convoys but they, you know they, in the end they came on board so we're trying to communicate with them and and arrange a sort of friendly ish well not even that we're trying to arrange an agreed terms of contact of conduct of of engagement whereby if you wanted to twitch it then you could fly in a particular ship without a particular, you know, with no loadout and no stock, no cargo, and then you are off limits. Uh, if you were a trader, then it's about the pirate disabling your ship, not destroying it, so that they have to actually rob you, so they can disable your ship. That's fair, you know that, and that to me is a far more palatable option than you turn up and they get blasted out the sky. And then if you're our fighter escort then it's the rules are open you know if you're there and you're armed to teeth you're bearing arms then it's combat ahoy off you go so that everybody can play together in open or if you're in a group or whatever you can play along with us just listen to the radio because we'll, we'll narrate things we'll talk you through things we'll have the fun and we'll include you we'll take your messages and all this kind of things <laughs> commander ignatius i riley is saying it's a stop being a dick treaty which is <laughs> probably yeah, quite true but it would be it would be awesome if we could try and achieve this uh, concept of let's have all aspects of the universe together on this convoy, a real community sense. And obviously we've contacted a number of the pirate groups or the ones that report to be privateers and we're encouraging them as well to adopt for this particular goal, this uh, set of engagement. And we'll just report back once we've got some firm dates and I think the destination will need to be decided by next week. And Frontier, I think, are offering... Uh, oh, I might not be able to say that yet. <coughs> <coughs> but there will be, you know, we, we've got some prizes and stuff for soul, so we'll definitely make sure it's, uh, uh, it's recognised. So take part. It's going to be fun. Yeah, awesome. I mean, we are still in, you know, obviously the introductions here, but it does speak to something that I remember we spent quite a lot of time debating in the early stages of the game and the DDF, how you would gain score as a pirate. And there were lots of discussions around the fact that actually a pirate, their score and their ranking and their earnings should be based on the amount of haul they actually managed to, you know, claim from victims offset by the number of craft they destroy and units of cargo because pirates that destroy the cargo thereafter should score nothing do you know what i mean 
because that's that's bad piracy. This is what you're saying. You know, yeah. the, the, the their mode of piracy doesn't make sense because actually hauling scrap to Hutton Orbital isn't a, a red hot ticket for a pirate. Yeah, they they they're kind of behaved a bit more like fuel protesters outside a yeah. large depot, at BP. You know, <laughs> blockades and things. But you know, I mean, do pirates blockade systems? Maybe they stranglehold systems, but that's only ever to extort money from the system rather than to stop people trading with it. So. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it, I think it just needs a bit more fleshing out. But you know, we had we had great fun with them. It led to some of the most exciting sort of gameplay. Um, I think, to be honest, the effect that they had on the overall community goal was minimal. Most people got back in their ships and came in. Some people dropped into private groups or you know into solo mode just to get through it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which again you can understand, but generally speaking, <clears> it was well received. The community goal had a lot of people playing open that had never done it before, and friends lists are filling up now, which is exactly <laughs> what you want to see because now you've got people to yeah. wing with, now you've got people to CQC with, and it makes it so much easier. So, yeah, it's been a great success. Yeah, totally. Colin, uh, what have you been up to this week? Uh, this week, well, obviously, I took part in the, in the, uh, the Hutton or uh, community goal. Um, I didn't do. Uh, I got into the thirty percent bracket, so I've I've been to Hutton to to claim my reward. Um, outside of the game, well, um, works proceeding on the Elite Miniatures game. Uh, I've oh, managed nice. to get well, me and the little lad had a little bit of a play test over the weekend. Uh, I got hammered as usual. <laughs> It's, it's something should, bad. When should, you're, should you not save your drinking until you're not playing games with your son? Ah, uh, well, no. Basically, it, <laughs> oh, it, absolutely embarrassing moment. Where um, normally I, I I give him the benefit of the doubt. I give him the cobra, uh, and I normally have an eagle or a sidewinder just to test the, the different mechanics. Uh, and of course, a cobra should beat a single eagle and a single or a single sidewinder. Only this time, I put it. But the eagle is that weak. If you've lost your shields, you pop. And uh, basically, he managed to get me with, I think, I'm going to have to look at, because I don't think you should ever be a killer, a ship with one shot that easily. <laughs> it's all playtesting and balancing. Yeah, are, they, are, they, are the models you're looking at, are they in the um, same scale as the other popular movie franchise-based tabletop ship um, system? Well, you, um, you saw them at um, uh, Elite Meet, didn't you? I saw the paper ones. But yeah, about- they're going to be. They're, I'm trying to get them uh, so that they are going to be the sales of those paper ones. Because I was thinking that a, um, you know, say say there was an X-shaped fighter craft. <laughs> just in terms of the cockpit size, because um, yes. the elite ships are quite bulky compared to ships of other of other kind of sci-fi franchises. I guess because they're, you know, Frontier are keen to stress the you know, the believability and the realism of them as machines. So yeah. rather than it being a huge pilot cockpit with a tiny engine behind it, actually the elite ships are mostly machinery and a tiny pilot. So does it mean that the, your models are quite large in comparison? No, actually, down? actually, the, um, they, they're, they're, they're not that bad. The I have scaled them down a little. They're, they're not on the same scale as the aforementioned sci-fi letter-based fighter that you are referring to. <laughs> yeah. uh, see what I did there? I thought yeah, that was good. quite good. good. But I have scaled them down to a bit where the, the sidewinder is about 38 millimetres from tail to, uh, tail to engine. Okay. Uh, and that fits in quite well because it means that the, the sidewinder and the uh, Eagle and the Cobra, the three ships that um, I'm working on at the moment, uh, they are, they're going to be all fitting on the small bases, 
which which will make it interesting. I mean, the Cobra will be will be slightly bigger, but it still counts as as the base, not the actual ship itself. The ship's yeah. there to make it look cool. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Excellent. Uh, how about yeah. you, Ben? How's your week been? Uh, my week's mainly been concerned with real life stuff. So it was my brother-in-law's wedding at the weekend. So I was doing the ushering for that, which was a lot of fun. Um, I was also in game. I've been joining Grant and all the other muggers, and that was even probably even more fun than going to a wedding. And probably most excited though is actually I've I've gotten the Lavecon skin and I'm now sporting it outside of Lave Station in Bistro at the moment. Nice. And I've I've just uploaded a couple of skins to our Facebook page as well. A couple oh, of skins, really? couple of photographs to oh, our okay. Facebook page. Let's have a little look at that. I love how you've it is, it very shiny. I've realised yeah. we should have um, we should have referred to everybody as mugger truckers. I think that's <laughs> quite a good thing mm-hmm. to refer to people taking. Uh... <laughs> oh, that is nice. Oh, <laughs> yeah, nice flame flame paint job there, and a and a burning phoenix on the. Uh, the it's deep. very that's pretty. Nice. Yeah, that's very cool. I'll tell you what that has happened from the Hutton Orbital is that we have been um, looking at introducing a faction, a wee player faction to the game. In, oh, lovely! In memory of it, but. Um, yeah, Hutton Orbital Truckers, which is again, yeah, your your mugger truckers. Well, we've got, we, don't we have Hoppet or something like that as well? Yeah. yeah, we're looking at the fact that we're trying to keep it as Hutton Orbital Truckers. Then we can do all kinds of projects and just use hot and then add another word. And you should see the suggestions; <laughs> they are coming piling in. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, I think we did have some suggestions from people that we form a uh, a lave radio minor faction, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who take on jobs for us. <laughs> it's an awful lot of work. <laughs> it'd be, it'd be, it would be good if we could put up jobs on the um, on the bulletin board, like uh, you know, we require we require you to edit this week's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was more thinking along the lines of second technician to the yeah. you know, to, to the air dock or something like that, or rescue second technician. That'd be a great one. <laughs> you find a find a canister containing fuzzer. <laughs> that would be awesome. As long as it's not fuzzer fertilizer, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, theoretically, he should be that 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 pod for picking up should be floating just outside the station. It should be a sort of dangerous pickup between the struts of the superstructure. <laughs> Even more dangerous because you can see him hammering with a wrench on the inside. <laughs> Let me out. Not realizing. <laughs> That would be excellent. Well, okay, so moving on. Uh, we're going to be talking this week about the Golden Joystick Awards. Um, now, Frontier have mentioned in their newsletter, um, they've mentioned that they are they are up for four categories in the Golden Joystick Awards. Uh, and we thought we'd take a bit of time to look at that um, and maybe, you know, maybe debate Frontier's approach a little bit uh, and uh, also have a look at some of the other categories uh, and see what the kind of Golden Joystick Awards sort of represent for this point this point in gaming um firstly i want to start off with something slightly controversial um because what frontier are are essentially oh no let me let me let me backtrack a little bit um in terms of the, the golden joystick awards now i acknowledge that most uh most kind of awards are a little bit of a kind of unusual layer i think on any industry um particularly within the entertainment industry i think that um you know, awards awards are always a kind of funny thing. Um, and so I want to kind of preface this by saying, so you guys have seen some of the, the, the categories and the games that are up for them, haven't you? Yeah. Yes. Yes, yeah. I have. 
Now, have any of you played all of the games in any of the categories that you may have voted in? Nope. No. Okay. I, I probably played a couple, but not... Yeah. It would cost a fortune to play all them. No, 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 it's fine. So, so we are essentially saying that there is an element of any category that a game is that a game wins and is voted for that is essentially slightly down to popularity. You mm. go in and you vote for the ones that you've played and enjoyed, not necessarily that you've looked at against the other competition and thought, well, yes, I, I think that one is the best one in the category. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, well, I'd yeah, say so, yeah. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, you've not played it, so you can't compare it. And although it does, and, and maybe this is intentional, when you are in the voting, you can click on the banner and it will take you to the video that is to typify what is nominated for and why. So you can yep. watch some videos. So it kind of gives you a taster. But yeah, people are being directed there by the games that they're playing to vote for the game that they're playing. And... You know, I went there again because of the Frontier link and then instantly found split loyalties when Kerbals pops up and Chaos pops yeah. up and then I'm kind of going, oh, oh, oh. But yeah, you're right. You only vote for the games, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, as I suppose it's kind of something that makes gaming awards different to something like, you know, maybe like a film, film awards um, or even the, I mean, we had the audio drama awards um, towards the end of last year, and Escape Velocity was up in a up in a few categories there, um, and that was a thing where you had to vote in every category. But I guess with something like film or with something like audio drama, it's not that difficult to kind of go away and consume sort of all all the. Whereas with games, I mean, I can't just say, can I can I well, beg know, to differ here, Chris? I want to play The Did Witcher you- Three for twenty hours just so that I know whether it's better than Batman Arkham Knight. Do you know what I mean? Now go ahead, Ben. Did you actually vote in that blooming audio drama thing? It was a nightmare trying to find out anything about any of the shows. It yeah, was. That was, it that was a, a pain. It was. Oh. Uh, I'd have happily listened to some of the Doctor Who ones or some of the other ones, and it was like, but it's just they just made it so much like hard work. Yeah, it was. It was difficult. I think it's. Um, yeah, I think it's a difficult thing because they wanted to make it a public vote. But they didn't want this situation where people just came on and voted for like their friends' shows or, or, or stuff like that. So they wanted to get a spread of votes across the things. But I think actually it created a sort of random element because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people were just were just picking random <laughs> random entries. Um, but I, I suppose what I'm saying is, so comparing this with film, I mean, there's a good chance if we sat down with a set of film awards there's a good chance that it would be not that difficult or not that inconceivable to have seen all of the films that are up for awards, apart from some of the more obscure stuff. But with games being such a time commitment and being such a long thing, do you think it's unreasonable to assume that, you know, that people would have such an extensive experience before they vote? I I think it's basically down to time pressure. You must be a rich and B, have a lot of spare time in your hands to go through all those. So you're either talking... Uh, yeah. video game journalists who's, you know, it's part of their job yeah. or uh, lottery winners. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. But that, that said, Golden Joystick Awards, obviously significant because it is a public vote um, and it is a very long stand. I suppose in terms of it being a bit of a publicity contest, um, uh, sorry, uh, um, uh, popularity. Pop, that's the word I was looking for, popularity contest. That said, it does then at least mean that we have an idea of, you know, in any given awards, which ones are the ones that are popular. 
I mean, these aren't ones that have been picked by, like say, by critics or by a closed panel or by, you know, backhanders in the game industry or anything like that. Um, so, you know, these are these have been picked by people. So just with that caveat in mind, what do we think about Frontier's sort of approach, which is a little bit, to me, it feels a little bit like buying votes. They've said to people that if, if Elite wins all four categories... We'll all get a free skin. And possibly I thought it was check. any of the four, wasn't it? I, I'm sorry, I was under the impression that it was if it won all four, if it, if it swept the board. Maybe I misread. I might have, I might have misread too. Uh, we should probably yeah. check it. What are you guys like? Hang on, I'm going to check that now. <laughs> I know, yeah, can you share that for me, Colin? But does it not feel a little bit like buying votes? Like you're sort of saying, look, you know, if, if we win all these categories, we'll give you something. Therefore, go and vote for us. Is it well? It, it, I mean, it, it is. Uh, it is kind of buying votes. It is kind of an incentive, but it is quite common for there to be maybe a sort of commemorative reward at the end of something to celebrate it. But that would be done after the fact. So yes, we won all these awards. Thank you so much for voting for us. Very good, and we're going to share this with you now for free from the shop. And that would maybe be less bribey, but yeah. people need incentives to vote. That's a fact, and so people are not going to go. And I mean, this this is the thing. If, if Frontier said, "Here, have a free skin now. Go and vote for us," people would take the free skin and not vote for them. If you know oh no I mean. no. So I mean, it, to me, it's it's an incentive. It's a nice incentive. It's a way of kind of promoting it, so they do get a good turnout. They want a good turnout. They want us to be honest. Uh, they want us to go there and vote for what we believe is the best in each category. And uh, when we come on to the categories, there's one in particular that I think is just a complete and utter shoo-in. There's just no other game gets a look in. <laughs> uh, but we'll come to that category later. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, Colin, what did you find? Uh, any of the four, and we get the golden sidewinder. Okay, that's not so bad then. No, oh, no, well, I if, mean... To- if, if we get all four, do we get a golden anaconda? <laughs> And do we get the anaconda as well? Or is it just the skin for it? <laughs> is it a free anaconda? That would be brave. How annoying would be that? <laughs> just if everyone in the game was given an anaconda, I think that would be unbalancing a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> an anaconda, everyone gets an anaconda with aluminium hull plating and no chance to upgrade it. <laughs> Alum- sorry, aluminium foil no, plating. No, Jarvis, give them gold hull. And of course, gold is shite. So, you know, you've got a golden anaconda. What do you expect? I know. It's one of the things I've always found slightly weird about Minecraft, that the, the hardest, uh, the best armors you can get are made of gold and diamond. No. They're both terrible materials. Go- gold armor. is the worst armor you've got in Minecraft. Is it? Yeah, definitely. Well, gold plus- gave you a lot of points. No, gold's worse than iron and everything. Well, no, no, gold, gold is better than iron, but it has. Why are we talking about Minecraft? But it no, has, this, it, is, it, it, this is Minecraft Radio, isn't it? Minecraft. Move along. This is the Leave show that talks the about Animal Crossing alone. and all the cool things that happen in Animal Crossing. <laughs> no, um, okay, so uh, moving on. So, I mean, I think, I mean, I might be able to guess which one uh, Grant's talking about in terms of uh, the shoeing category. Uh, but Elite Dangerous is up for best sound. Do we think yeah. this is a bit of a 
hands down victory for Lee Dangerous? Oh, it's it's got to be hands down. I mean, it's just it's the one thing you know for all the criticism that Frontier gets for bugs and patches and gameplay and shallowness and lack of depth and unbalanced weaponry and all these things that have come and gone. There is only one thing that has continually unified everybody that plays the game, whether they think the ASP is a big fart fest or not the sound is always rated as top class, it is beyond it wouldn't be the game it is, it wouldn't spark your imagination if it wasn't for those sounds for the creaks and the bumps and the cracks and the everything it's just yeah, perfect well, as, as much as I like to agree with that, I do think it, it might be under threat from Alien Isolation because sound is so important in that no, game too. <laughs> oh. Alien Isolation. Um, well, I do. I know what you mean because, but the use of sound in Alien Isolation is even more in, emphasised by the fact that you've got the uh, you've got the connect attached. Oh, the motion stringer. Yeah, and it picks up you thing. talking in your room is going to alert the alien, so it's got a lot more interaction with regards to sound in different ways. But how many alien games have there been? And that motion tracker has never changed the way it sounds since way, way, way back when. So there's nothing, you know. There's it's it's only as big a soundscape as the likes of of the Doom games of the you know first person shooters. It doesn't have anything as unique as the sound of your ship creaking and cracking as you're coming out of hyperspace the sound of ice cracking on your canopy, the whoosh of air when the glass goes out so, I don't know, I just think you know, Elite's got that one hands down in my book But we, we have said though that in, in some respects it's a, a bit of a popularity contest in terms of how many people have played it so there mm. is a danger there that there are more people that have played some of these other games maybe that have played Elite Dangerous oh well that's like you said that always comes down to the uh, the popularity vote I mean in our opinion uh, Elite Dangerous sound is, is far superior to, to Alias, Alien Isolation or Arkham Knight or any of the others but if a lot more people have played them it comes down to that, that fact of you know what's Elite Dangerous we've not heard that yeah yeah absolutely I mean I would say I mean I think um, and we, we're going to come on to the audio team. Um, there was an AMA on Reddit, and uh, and they did single out, you know, they they did single out Alien Isolation as being an incredibly good audio experience. And I think technically Alien Isolation is brilliant. And I know what you're saying, but I think there are there are moments when you're expecting that city station that there are creaks and groans of this kind of deserted building. But I think maybe I think in terms of you know if we were talking most innovative I think honestly Elite should be kind of in its own category because I think they're doing stuff with Elite Dangerous that that, that no one else is doing I think it's absolutely brilliant oh no no I agree I just said that the the, the biggest threat I thought uh, would come from Alien Isolation yeah I think so uh, any of you guys played The Witcher 3 oh no I, it's on my bucket list, but not yet. <laughs> I tried The Witcher 2 in the strength of recommendation from my brother, and after two days of not getting past the flipping intro, I gave up, and I've not touched The Witcher <laughs> 3, but he loves it. He absolutely loves Witcher 3. Fair enough, fair enough. I've played a bit of Batman Arkham Knight before I sort of <laughs> rage, rage refunded it on Steam. Yeah. Um, 
I think there's a danger there with something like best audio. I mean, the audio in, in the Batman games is is brilliant, um, and particularly with using Batman's various gadgets, there is a real kind of empowerment in, in those sound effects. But I think there is a danger. I mean, there are there is another category for, for performances in a game. I think there's a danger that people will will conflate Batman Arkham Knight's audio with its dialogue performances. Because they are very strong. You know, if we're talking about best game dialogue performances, that any Bat- any of the games in the Batman series should just win that hands down because well, the, the casting. Arc- yeah, the arc and Knight on that one. They've got some serious big hitters there. So, you know. I mean, these um, are actors. These are actors who've been playing those Batman characters since the Warner animated series in the 90s. Yeah. Okay. Moving on then. Um, a bit of a weird category. Uh, uh, I don't know if anyone else found this as bizarre as I did, but there's an award for best gaming moment. Okay, now, just to clarify this, um, Elite Dangerous is nominated for hyperspace. So what they're obviously trying to do with this is they're trying to create a category which is like, what's your kind of, when you play a game, what's the moment that stands out to you or makes you kind of go, wow? And Elite Dangerous has been nominated for hyperspace. Mm. See, I, 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 I uh, in Oculus Rift, then your hyperspace is definitely. It takes you back it's such a long time ago that you know when we first did our first hyperspace, and it would be absolutely yeah. stunning. And you do sit and kind of go, "Oh wow, look at this offline past," and then it becomes just something you do. Um, I would have maybe preferred if the outstanding moment is docking because that's just again spectacular when you go through that slot and then it opens up and you've got to line up that's just a a beautiful bit of gameplay uh, and yeah yeah a sort of gasp moment as well but then again i imagine people finding their first black hole or you know all these different factors there's so many it's hyperspace yeah. i suppose or docking are the most common i was just saying well, it's got to be something that everyone sees isn't it yeah, well, one thing that I'd actually agree with the hyperspace over the docking. When you when you watch a lot of the this, uh, and I got this as well actually, but when you actually watch a lot of the streamers or the uh, the YouTubers that uh, decide to do a let's play on Elite Dangerous and they've never seen the game before, they first of all take off from uh, the landing pad near the planet, so you get that wonderful. Um, planetary view when you take off from the outpost. That was that was one of the first things that made everybody go, "Oh, that's nice." But they really, the interest really spiked when they went to the hyperspace because it was just so well. It was like the tar- the TARDIS time tunnel with extra cloudy yeah. bits, and the, <laughs> uh, the amount of people that have just their first. Um, comment on that was just, oh, this is astounding. Or if you're American, you sound like Keanu Reeves. Uh, then it, it's a, it is one of those moments where it just takes your breath away. You get used to it. Uh, but there are occasions when um, you're looking about the cockpit, you've got your head tracker on, you're looking about the cockpit, you're still thinking, actually, this is pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a fair point. Because I remember back in Alpha, I forget which one it was, but it was the first one that gave us hyperspace. You know, there were people criticising hyperspace as being a kind of barely masked loading screen rather yeah. than a gameplay moment in itself. Do you think maybe hyperspace has moved on and we've missed it because we're so used to it? 
I think there is a degree of familiarity that kind of dulls that sense of wow, and we're all looking to the next thing. So obviously we're all sitting here going, can't wait for plans for landings. But if you can imagine it being you're a new player to the game, you've not been playing this for what, the best part of two years, and you hit that hyperspace tunnel, that's the thing you go for. Anybody that buys an Oculus Rift, the first thing they're going for is, I want to do a hyperspace jump. That's it, constantly. It is... It's one of those integral things in Elite that's come on so far and you wanted it to be that wonderful feel of you travelling through that beautiful space tunnel and it being completely compelling with the star systems flying past and they've done a lot of work on making it a bit more that you can see these kind of stars shooting past you from different sizes and your different distances and yeah you know it's, it's a beautiful moment and as you say i think just you know familiarity has kind of bred a bit of what would you call that contempt yeah well just yeah complacency i think we're a bit of blase over it yeah, I just wonder if because if you look at some of the other things that are in that are in the categories, we'll just read out some examples. You've got things like riding an elephant to war in Far Cry Four, or like meeting yourself from a previous game in Dragon Age Inquisition. Apologies if that's spoilers, um, but it strikes me that what they're trying to evoke here is that moment where. Because you know, we've talked about how Elite Dangerous kind of gives you stories, and you're, you know, the fun thing about Elite Dangerous when you, is when you realise you've got this moment where you want to say to this happened to me, and a lot of those other examples from games seems like the sort of things that you would run off and tell someone about. Like spoilers again, okay? Shadow of the Colossus. Apologies if you haven't played it, but for me, you know, I will always remember the moment in Shadow of the Colossus where your horse that you've been with throughout the entire game your horse falls off a bridge at the end of the game and suddenly for the first time you are without your horse and your companion is gone and that's an incredible moment and that's something that if you, you know if you ask me about shadow of the colossus that's something i remember or the moment when you when you kill your first colossus that's a kind of heartbreaking moment and i'm just i just wonder how many people if you were to give them a month with elite dangerous and you were to say to someone, kind of, tell me a story about Elite Dangerous, tell me about one of your, your moments in it. I wonder how many people would actually pick Hyperspace as being their standout experience of the game. Yeah, we've got some suggestions from the Twitch channel that are suggesting that the best moment is the capital ship, the, the interdictor, I imagine that is, as it comes in and as it jumps out once you've managed to do enough damage to it. And I can imagine that that fits more with the kind of in-game event that you've caused that gives you that moment of satisf satisfaction. And it is possibly down to the fact that a lot of games are story-based and therefore it's the critical point in a story that resonates more. I can imagine, you know, the, the likes of people that love The Walking Dead, uh, the game, that there's many moments in that that, you know, bring that gasp. But then if you look at the likes of Alien Isolation, possibly the first moment that you hear an alien might be one of those <laughs> standout moments because it made you sort of, well, crap your pants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll tell you what, though. Yeah, yeah, you say that about Alien Isolation, but I absolutely loved the first few levels of Alien Isolation. And since I got to the level where the alien first appears, I have not been able to go back into it and play it. <laughs> is, is that because is that you don't wear your brown pants? I've just... I've, I've always found the Alien series very engaging and very terrifying. And I think one of the things that Alien Isolation does so well is it evokes that. And I'm just... 
it, it just has too many kind of emotional resonances with me to play it without getting absolutely terrified. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't play it for more than an hour because I just, it's so stressful. I have to stop and do something else. Have you played it on the Oculus Rift yet? Do you know what? I wasn't brave enough. I, I had the Oculus Rift here. I thought, oh, I really should try it. But I just, I couldn't bring myself to. Uh, I didn't even know it worked on the Rift. Oh, yes. yeah. There's, there's been quite a few oh, reports. Oh, that would be so that, awesome. There's quite a few so, reports at E3 where they were demoing it, uh, demoing it on, the, uh, <laughs> on the Oculus Rift. And uh, yes, well, I, they have I think a lot of brown pants needed to be handed out. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm 37 years old, and to this day, I still have periodic nightmares about the alien. So the 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 Oculus Rift was something I really didn't want to put myself through. <laughs> <laughs> but then you see, look at the games are going. We've got the War oh, Cricket. What's it called? Um, oh, the new horror one. We got to spend the uh, night in the, the night till dawn or something. Till dawn, yeah, something along those lines. And you know, now we're getting into classic horror gaming, which is really interesting to see them using these stories from horror films to totally and utterly scare the crap out of you. And I think Oculus is going to be key in possibly the first heart attack during game <laughs> by the content. Well, yeah. I think I think that record's actually been broken because yes. there's a, a VR game in um <laughs> on google cardboard which basically is one of these jump and scare horror movies and there's already been people who have been reportedly say that they've had uh, almost heart attacks and yeah. those kind of things because it was that scary whether or not that's their marketing department going oh let's get some let's get some uh, silly headlines put together um i don't know it's always alive and well Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, again, looking down the list that we've got of best gaming moments, um, well, the only one that I that I would reckon would be a problem would be Arkham Knight because that one blindsided me, and I'm not going to say it because of spoilers. I'll just say that that one. A, it does seem to be a massive spoiler, but <laughs> yeah, but uh, even though they've put it up there, I, I don't want to spoil it, and I was there. I, I must admit. Um, that one hit my my jaw hit the floor on that moment okay. but I don't think it did as much as going to hypers that made me, my jaw hit the floor but I was more excited about going into hyperspace first time yeah, I mean there, there is a difference isn't there between, between like I say story moments and gaming moments yes, yeah because there's the story moments for instance in Knights of the Old Republic there is the story moment which if you spoil it for anybody you will be sh- put up against the wall and shot. Uh, but it's that story moment that everybody will talk about when other people have got past it. Okay. Would that be one in the one the one in the instances in the uh, late thirties, early forties? I beg your pardon? <laughs> Would that be the story moment in the instances or the flashback? No, 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 not not the old Republic. Knights of the Old Republic. The first. Oh oh the Knights one. Okay, sorry, that one. Yes. So you know what I'm on about. I can remember the game. I it think so. It, yes, yes. It, it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> Not really? Sorry, Ben. I'm just double checking. The Lavecon skin that was for the Cobra. What were the ships? I thought they said the Cobra, the Asp, the Vulture, and I think they said the Sidewinder. Uh, we'd have to go and check our notes for back then, but I think that's what they said. Okay. Uh, de- definitely the Asp, though, because I remember getting excited about that. 
Okay, uh, moving on then. Another another slightly controversial topic for me. Frontier are up for best studio. Hmm. Now, what do people think about this? Yes. Well, uh, hmm. Let's have a look. I mean, I'm not sure that they've got a lot of heavy competition there. I mean, Bungie, Rocksteady. I mean, everybody at the moment still think, even though there's the debacle over the PC version, the Xbox and and the PS4 version of Arkham Knight was fantastic. Uh, and you know, the, I'm glad that they're in 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 the you know the being nominated. Unfortunately, I don't see them winning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's one of these things where Elite is a massive game and it's got an awful lot of merit in its own right, which is awesome, but it doesn't really sort of um, reflect Frontier. Front, you know, I, that award to me should span more than one game. And I know Frontier have got other games, but obviously the biggest one at the current minute is Elite. Um, maybe when Planet Coaster's out, Scream Ride, I'm not sure what the reception to that is. It's not a game that interested me. Zoo Tycoon beautiful game but again not you know we're looking for that kind of studio that's pumping out the good stuff constantly yeah because i was trying to work out what what criteria this was based on um it's interesting to see housemark in the list when i can't think of anything they've released in the last three years i mean i like housemark i think they're great <laughs> but they have been very quiet recently so i'm not totally sure what they've uh, what they're in there for no, I suppose I was thinking of it from the point of view of other aspects of the studio, like so, so things like kind of fan engagement and some of these other things. And I, I just couldn't help feeling with Frontier that because of odd things like, okay, so I suppose there's an aspect of it that's slightly personal for me because I've been emailing them for nine months about escape velocity licenses, and I've you know spoken to staff who've gone away and, and sort of promised a response. Um, and, and not received a response. And actually, there are a number of things where Frontier's communication with its fans actually sometimes, sometimes it's sublime. I mean, the amount of support we get for events like LaveCon and the various Twitch shows and stuff. I mean, Zach and Ed, absolutely brilliant. You know, Michael is fantastic. Um, and there are definitely some some people with, within Frontier that are that are brilliant at kind of engaging with the fan community. But thinking about it on the flip side and looking at stuff like the the offline controversy, um, which was made worse by the fact that they only announced there would be no offline mode two weeks before release date, um, when it was a, you know when it was clearly apparent that they'd known offline wasn't going to work for a long time before, and then you look at stuff like all the DDF things that we'd like to see implemented, which just haven't made it into the game. And we're all, you know, they're already kind of working on what is effectively Elite Dangerous 2 or Elite, Elite 5 or what do you want to look at with, with Elite Horizons. Um, a lot of those kind of DDF sort of in, not really inherent promises, but a lot of the engagement they did with the initial fan just about sort of features would, would be in the game. And actually a lot of that's never materialised. Do you not feel that maybe, you know, there's, there's a communication skill that's lacking with Frontier. Well, I would have said that about the time of the offline mode. I think um, ever since Zach, well, Ed in particular, but now that Zach's come along, I think the engagement's got better. Uh, I think uh, the communication is a little bit odd. 
because sometimes you look at the at what they're kicking out and you sort of they're thinking, "Ooh, I wouldn't have done it that way." But um, you know, it is their game at, at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, um, I suppose I'm going back to like I spent a number of years before I did what I do now. I spent a number of years as a project manager, and one of the important things to learn as a project manager is you don't you don't wait until you have something to communicate before you communicate. Being a good project manager, you can put away all your project management tools and your prints and, and, and whatever else. The, the, the skill of a good project manager is communicating with people all of the time and keeping people informed with what's going on, even if, and frankly, especially if, you don't have anything to tell them. You just have to keep talking to people and keep reassuring them that things are going on and that it's moving in the right direction. And Frontier sort of do that, but then they don't do it on things which seem to be kind of critical, if you know what I mean. I think we'll just have to leave that one and see how it goes from now on. I mean, I know I know exactly what you mean, but, I mean, we're outside looking in. Uh, it's not as if we can go up there and say, right, let's go in there, storm the building, and, and make them do it properly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that's the thing. I mean, I think it's, you know, it really is a case of not them, because they are quite good at communicating things once they have it to communicate. But you say we're on the outside looking in. You know, there's an argument to say it shouldn't be so opaque. I mean, yes, there's stuff they need to keep secret, but they should... I'm I'm kind of... I'm always reassured when I see stuff from Frontier, like the, the audio team, AMA. Someone asks about something... And they've kind of said, oh, yeah, this is on the list. We're going to do this as soon as we can. And it's just like, and, but, you know, sometimes you get that from Frontier that they say, yeah, we want to do this. We're going to implement this. We can't, we can't tell you about the timescales. And that's absolutely fine. And then there's mm. other times when they just, they either don't ask, answer questions or they just kind of say, you know, soon or, or whatever else. Um, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not currently on our plans. But I think there's a difference between giving an answer and not giving any kind of answer, which is what sometimes happens. You know, we keep raising things to do with, like, DDF stuff that's fallen by the wayside, and they've not really engaged with... They've never sat down and said, OK, from the DDF, this is the stuff we want to do and this is the stuff we don't want to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I, I think the DDF has kind of gone the way of the dodo now. Uh, and they've gone and left that behind. So anything that was discussed in the DDF, if it's not in the game now, I don't expect it to probably be in the game going forward. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think one of the things we do have to kind of balance this against is the fact that obviously, having spent as much time with them as we have, we know Frontier better than we know any other game developer. True. I think, I think that's fair to say. So we are, we are probably doing the thing of being critical <laughs> about the ones we love the most. Um, and actually, it's entirely possible that the Frontier's kind of engagement and communication is, is far better than um, any of these other studios in the, in the list. I would shout out one company, though, just because I, you know, I'm good. you're going to be hearing a lot about Invisible Ink from me. Um, but hmm. Clay, Clay did a thing which I thought was really admirable, which is they, they released the initial version of Invisible Ink and uh, someone on their forums, because there's quite an interesting roster of characters in Invisible, and someone on the forums had had written their own additional, because the characters have sort of things that they say periodically, and someone on their forums had written a whole load of suggested extra dialogue 
for those characters and he'd even come he or she had even come up with suggestions for if you start with multiple characters like a little conversation banter they could have between them and not only did clay implement the feature in one of their recent um game updates they used the dialogue the guy had written I mean, just oh, straight from the forums, nice. just took it and put it in because they saw that people thought it was a great idea. They recognised it was a great idea themselves and they just put it in, no fuss. And Frontier didn't do that with the stuff that Alan and Dave gave them for the law? That's slightly different because Alan and Dave were brought in as a sort of peripatetic development. They've, yeah. They volunteered their services, but Frontier have done... Frontier basically did that. But I want to just ask another question. Is Do you know what game Rockstar is working on at the moment? Do you know what game Bungie is working on at the moment? What Fox Plus are doing? Well, no, this is what I'm they, saying. I mean, they, in comparison yeah, to they've got students. a lot worse communication. Yeah, the, the only company that I've I have had this much dealings with before has been SOE, which have now been turned into Daybreak. Mm-hmm. And compared to, to SOE, Frontier are absolutely a godsend. (laughs) It's a difference when you think about the fact that this is from a Kickstarter, so it's coming from a point of view of having the community involved. And if you look at the likes of, you know, the the bigger game studios that you don't know what they're working on is because they've not got any... There's no relationship to their fans. Their fans sit there desperately hoping that they're going to release a game. And what tends to happen is they either love it because the studio knows and does obviously very good communication and watching what their fans are saying, or they hate it, much the same as the recent X series release and then they have to backtrack a bit so I mean that's the difficult side when you have your your community involved then when you do something small that they don't like you you find out quicker and it can avoid you creating this massive feature in the game that everybody hates I'm not saying power play yeah. or CQC <laughs> but that remains to be seen I love CQC though <laughs> no, just going mean, because you know, like as you say, Frontier do seem to create a surprising amount of controversy for a company who, I mean, described themselves as being a kind of indie-like studio. I mean, they're a big indie studio, but they see them as an indie studio. Uh, and yet, with things like PowerPlay and with the whole offline thing and with CQC, they do seem to manage to create controversy, and that does largely seem to stem from the fact that. You know, maybe sometimes the timing of their messages isn't always very ideal. <laughs> I completely agree with that, Jarvis. I mean, it's just they—they they do seem to borrow, make. Uh, I was going to say, do a rod for their own brack or something like that. Um, it has gotten better, um, but they definitely want to keep the message that they're talking about now and that's what they'll talk about and even if we want to talk about let's say let's pretend we want to talk about horizons and they're busy talking about cqc we'll be lucky yeah. to get them to even acknowledge horizons exists yeah yeah and that could be very frustrating when you know you're trying to ask questions about something that you care about and they're going on the message of no we're this is what we're currently promoting this is what we want to talk about yeah, well, yeah, that's absolutely. But I think, I think, like we say, this is, it is a bit of a case with this that we kind of, you know, I suppose we've we've been with Frontier on the journey long enough now to, you know, we sort of I suppose pick up on all the little faults 
um, which mm. actually some of these other studios are probably dreadful for. So probably. Well, I know you know I've got at least a couple <laughs> of friends who, if I mentioned Kojima Productions to them, would just probably sit and swear for three or four hours. So Blizzard were terrible with their communication with their fans in the early days of Warcraft. Yeah. EA or Bioware were terrible with their things. Yeah. Um, but again, so. it comes down it comes down to how, you know, this is studio of the year. It comes down to how you're, you know, what criteria you're using to judge. Yeah. That the studio is great. Um, okay, so moving on then. Um, it is up for best PC game, which has to be, I mean, best sound is a brilliant award for uh, Freely Dangerous because it's such a great fit for what is great about Elite Dangerous. But yeah, the best game category has got to be a great thing, surely. It's a it's a very prestigious yeah. award, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and if we could, if they can pull that one, that that one to me is the biggest popularity competition, and it's probably the most yeah. just biggest popularity competition because if a game ain't popular, then it ain't very good. Yeah, but let's just—I mean, let's just have a think for a moment about some of the other games it is up against in this category, because you sort of think, oh yeah, yeah, you know, Elite Dangerous, best PC game. Um, but just bear in mind, so this is up against Alien Isolation. Kerbal Space Program, which I know is very popular among the Elite Dangerous community, uh, GTA V, not not lacking in fans, uh, Endless Legend, which I mean I've not personally played, but everyone that I seem to speak to about it raves about how amazing Endless Legend is, um, and City Skylines, which looking at the activity on my on my Steam, City Skylines seems to have been a hugely popular game this year, and I'm also going to mention because it is my personal. <laughs> love of my life uh, Invisible Ink is in there as well um, which was really I think when I started playing Invisible Ink I didn't realise what a huge hit it was um, but it really has kind of spread far and wide so there is there is a lot of heavy competition in that category I think for Elite Dangerous what do you guys think? Oh crikey Kerbals has eaten hours of my life and not regrettably so. You know, there's some games where you feel... I mean, I spent weeks trying to get a goddamn Kerbal into orbit in such a way that... Have you managed that yet? Yes, I did. I did. Yay. And, and I've kind of, after trying some of the other missions, I decided that that was the limit of my powers in that game and that I would consider it completed and <laughs> 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 not go back to it again because it eats your time. Um, cities I've never played at all but yeah Kerbal I think is great Invisible Link I've watched you playing Chris and it looks like it's something that's almost akin to the sort of XCOM-esque play with more depth to the uh, actions that the characters do yeah yeah I think it's a really it's a really interesting one I'm going to talk about it again in a minute but I think it's what it is is it's a particular game style done exceptionally well Um, they've basically taken the sort of stealth espionage game made it turn-based a little bit like i mean if anyone's ever played metal gear acid one or two that was a turn-based version of metal gear solid um that had a kind of card deck for movement but uh, yeah it's a turn-based um game and it's sort of people are comparing it to XCOM, i think because of the turn-based movement but actually because you're only ever really controlling one or two people uh it's sort of a bit more like a, a sort of third person adventure but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a very strong and very tight game. Uh, it, you know, it's, I suppose some people might argue that it's quite limited, but what it does, it does exceptionally well. 
Um, again, we've got some comments in the chat. We've got someone here saying that in terms of best PC game, uh, they favour Alien Isolation. Uh, it's interesting. Again, that is a very strong game. Um, and I think it's a bit weird because, you know, if you're looking at the sort of year that's passed, there's... I think because we've been playing Elite for such a long time, I was surprised to see it in that category. And I was thinking, was, was Elite Dangerous not the best PC game of, of last year? Um, but actually, of course, it came out, it officially was released in December 2014. So it is, it is technically still a new game this year. It sparked a debate on the Twitch chat where we have people saying that the Frontiers built a game that's so polished and so many ideas that can be implemented that they can't pursue them all blah 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 and then have been immediately challenged again with possibilities none of which are fully actualized so there is a split <laughs> you know and it is i have to say that you know frontier is one of these games where there is a, a discord and thinking about it some people think you mm. know are getting more out of it than others because they've been there from the beginning and they may be understand oh crikey go be so careful you don't use the wrong words here but they've maybe got different roads to pursue than the person coming in new whereas yeah. one with a story game with such a strong narrative like alien isolation really means that everybody gets the same experience and therefore yeah. you're more likely to have a great big love for it because the story was awesome and the graphics are awesome and the yeah the the, the mood music the sound effects and things are awesome Awesome. It is a beautiful game, but in Elite, you have to make your own experience, and, and I'm not going to suggest that because people are having a crap time, it's because they've got no imagination or ability to play in that kind of sandbox. It's just that it's not offering them what they're looking for, so... Yeah, I think that's going to be a difference between you know why Frontier may struggle for it to be considered the best PC mm. game. I think it is. It's the one game I keep going back to out of all the ones sitting in my Steam box. So do you think that, I mean, because again, this is down to a popular vote. And I think, we, you know, sometimes we can all agree that Elite Dangerous is maybe a bit of a slow burn and is possibly a game that is still going to, even if at the moment it needs a bit of work. But how do you vote for something in a, in a given year like that compared to something like GTA V? which is a game and a kind of fan experience which is almost designed to sweep up these kind of categories. I just think it's one of these things that if you happen to release a game in the same year as a GTA comes out, don't worry about it. <laughs> Second <laughs> place is the new first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think, I mean, you think GTA Five is, is a possible shoe-in for that? Uh... It's, you know what, oh, even with its bugs and its hacking, it is still the game that does what everyone expects of it. You jump in there, it's super violent, the driving is super sexy, the graphics are stunning, the gameplay is completely addictive. Whether or not you jump on and just take on the police force, or you're, you know, it's one of those amazing play with your friends kind of game that is guaranteed to kill hours and leave you wondering where your day went, but you have broken ribs from the laughter and frankly to me that is what gaming is all about. It's about that shared experience experience and nothing quite compares to GTA yeah it's weird though because again GTA 5 it seems to have had this slightly staggered lifespan because again to me GTA 5 feels like game of 2014 rather than 15 
Um, yeah, I, I get that as well. I mean, it does. It's one of these things where it's quite difficult to work out what category it should, or what year it should fall in, um, or how they particularly determine that. It's, it's kind of hard to know. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, okay, so that's, I mean, that's the four categories that uh, Elite Dangerous up for. There's a few other things, I think, here that are, that are quite interesting. Um, we should put in a shout-out here for, if you are going to Golden Joysticks, um, seeing as, you know, Frontier is set the way with, with buying votes from people, um, Chaos Reborn is up in the Best Indie category. Um, and again, it's up against some... Um, incredible competition because Invisible Ink is in that category as well uh, as is Kerbal Space Program it's interesting that Invisible Ink and Kerbal Space Program are in both Best Indie Game and Best PC Game um, and the other game that's up in, in Best Indie Game is Everyone's Gone to the Rapture which a lot of people are talking about at the moment and does I don't know much about it in terms of gameplay but it does look beautiful um, but do, you know, please do spare a thought for Chaos Reborn um, and do do give it your vote. Uh, I don't know what you guys think about the best in the game category. Well, for me, it would definitely be between Chaos Reborn and Kerbal. Um, I'd probably drop on the side of Chaos Reborn because of this, the nostalgia factor and the fact it's been improved a lot. Unfortunately, I'm not sure on any of the others. Um, it's like, like I said, it's one of these tight things where you need a lot more time in your your hands to be able to make a uh, a proper decision. Yeah, it's, that's one of the ones that split me because it was uh, it was difficult, and of course, it, it's kind of strange that Chaos Reborn is in any of the categories, given that it's not really a full release yet, isn't it? Well, quite. You're sort of voting for what you think of, you know, 60-70% of Chaos Reborn rather than actually voting for Chaos Reborn as a finished product. So, yeah, I, I think, I can't remember, I think I went for Chaos Reborn because of, well, the involvement we've had with it and we've been kind of close to it, which obviously, you know, breeds that kind of uh, customer loyalty towards uh, Chaos Reborn for whatever reason. We all have our own reasons and things, but I've thoroughly enjoyed some of the matches that I've played in Chaos Reborn and Kerbals has a much higher frustration and swearing factor for me, yeah. namely because of the number of times I've landed the craft, gone for the little uh, EVA walk to watch my Kerbal fall out of the ship, hit the ground and go pop. And uh, <laughs> so it's, I think it was more a case of it lost points more than Chaos gain points on it yeah I think um, I look at those best indie games I think personally I think Chaos is the best multiplayer game in that list I've you know I can't really speak for the, the the multiplayer of any of those other games particularly and again I you know I kind of I, I was really torn John was kind of teasing me earlier about the fact that Chaos Reborn was up against Invisible Ink I do absolutely love Invisible Ink it is you know my, my kind of one of my favourite games at the moment but as I was saying in terms of the Invisible Ink is a very polished game that, that takes a particular idea and a game style and does it very well. Chaos Reborn is unlike anything else that I kind of that I play or have played for a very long time. And you guys know how generally single player I am most of the time. Chaos Reborn is the game that's got me playing multiplayer. PvP even. Because it's just such a great it's such a great even if you strip aside the single player content if you you know if you don't look at the the kind of single player realms grinding stuff which as we say is very much work in progress 
if you just look at the arena battling of Chaos Reborn, I think it's an incredible achievement. It's such a balanced game, and it's so, that's why with Chaos Champs uh, on Twitch, we've started trying to present it, you know, as a kind of esport. The the competitive element of Chaos Reborn is just so tightly worked out, and such an incredible game to play and to spectate. Uh, and I think you know, for me, that's why it's um, you know why why it deserves to win. Yeah, I think you're quite right. Yeah. It's you know, but again, you know, everyone's got their 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 there may be other games in these lists that that speak to people more. Yeah, and it's 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 one of these things. You know, Frontier have asked you to support them, but they've not asked you to blindly vote them through because that would be a little bit rubbish of them. But you know, go and have a look and see what you think. You know, we love chaos. We love. I've not played Invisible Ink. It's it's going to be one of these ones that I'm going to have to sort of. Think about, you know, what do you reckon, I mean, it's something before I was to go and get it, how much time do you reckon you need to spend playing it to sort of get the the most out of it? Because I know like Kerbals, you're talking, you know, two-hour sessions easily. Yeah, it depends how much, it depends how much you love it. One of the things that came close to disappointing me for Invisible Ink, if you play it on the beginner difficulty setting, I breezed through the story... So in terms of the, the actual plot that the game tells, because there is a plot that strings the levels together that you play, um, I breeze through it in five hours, start to finish, end game, scene, done kind of thing. But it's actually, Invisible Ink's strength is that it's, a, it's kind of a roguelike. So you go back to it, you up the difficulty, you take off some of the safety wheels, and you try it again without the game holding your hand as much. And then you start to discover what a what a kind of tightly plotted experience each level is. And, it, you know, I should say, I mean, you know, obviously being Elite Dangerous fans, we're, we're fans of procedural generation. The levels in Invisible Ink are, are they're, they're like randomly generated dungeons. And they're actually, they're some of the best random level design I think I've ever seen. Uh, because similar to what the XCOM 2 guys are doing, um, Invisible Ink has a sort of a, a huge library of room designs and then those rooms are slotted together in a random sequence. So you'll, when you play through a level, you're never looking at the same thing twice. Um, and you add on top of that guard placement and patrols and then things like security cameras. And it's one of these games that rewards going back in and trying it again from the beginning with a different equipment configuration or different characters. Like I say, upping that difficulty level and seeing if you can still make it through. Um, but from my point of view, you know, as a seasoned kind of turn-based strategy gamer, I found that on the beginning difficulty, I, I basically went through it in my first play, got to the end, didn't really have any difficulty. Excellent. But I mean, if, if you're asking about the gameplay rewards you can get from a, an individual sit-down, you can sit down for 15 minutes, go into a, go into a, you know, a company's location, you can do your stealth mission in and out, you can be you know, 15, 20 minutes... And then you can say, I've done a mission, I'm going to go out to work, <laughs> or whatever it is you're doing. So in terms of individual session lengths, it doesn't have to be that long. But I personally find, like a lot of good kind of roguelike games, it has that just one more level feel about it that kind of keeps you coming back and keeps you playing. I thoroughly recommend it. It's, it's an amazing game. And I'm hoping to find some time in my schedule to do a regular little Twitch program about it, because I love it so much, but we'll see. <laughs> Just moving on, I, I just want to make a per personal note here because 
you know, there's all these different categories and we're not going to cover them all. One of the things that stood out for me in terms of all of these, because I, I don't vote in categories that I know absolutely nothing about. I know we've said there is a tendency to go in maybe for one name you know about. But if there's a category like, for example, um, personality of the year, I had no idea who any of those people were. So oh. I, I, I just didn't vote in their category because I thought there's no point because... Um, I, I don't have an opinion on it. Yes. Well, unfortunately, I do, and they're all negative. <laughs> <laughs> and I must admit, with my uh, my kids being at the Minecraft age, I am. Oh, I, 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 I have a real dislike of a lot of the the Minecraft people who do the who do the playthroughs and things like that. Not because is, is that who these people are. Yep, some of them are, yes. Okay. But, uh, but not necessarily because their uh, playthroughs are bad, but because I actually can't stand their voices. <laughs> it, yeah. It's, it's one of these things that I don't know how it appeals to the kids, but it, it's just, it's like it nails across a blackboard to me. Um, maybe I'm yeah. just an old fart. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it doesn't appeal to you, but it definitely does appeal to the kids as it were and this is i mean i, I hate this because i'm saying you know we're all sounding like old farts but you know, my no son farts. loves it oh yeah <laughs> my son loves it his friends love watching youtube videos about things yeah yeah i've got friends who've got teenage sons and they all you know they watch that rather than watching telly and you know my son's like Absolutely. really annoying yeah, he's, he's like i want to be a youtuber when i grow up <laughs> like, why can't I be a YouTuber now? Because you're only eight. Yeah. <laughs> We're not letting you anywhere near the internet. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but you know, it's, even, it's become it's become the new celebrity, and and my yeah. son's the same. It's it's what he does for entertainment. Is he's playing his games, and when he's not playing games or doing homework, yeah, right, like that happens. <laughs> but he's, when he's not pretending to do his homework, he'll be watching tubers, and he's got his own list of people that he likes. You know, uh, and, yeah. and of course, as as time goes on, you've got obviously Yogcast, which is obviously one of the ones that was very popular for a while but they've kind of slipped and I only comment on the fact that my son doesn't seem to watch them as much uh, at the moment so they've kind of slipped uh, a little bit then uh, Tobuscus was one that I used to enjoy watching but you know as I say these things they, they become they become victims of celebrity and they become yeah. victims of trying to oh what's that you know that that kind of sense of uh, they're more than they are they are essentially just people mm -hmm. that are showing themselves playing games and of course yeah. they lose face when they start playing these games and bigging them up and then there's the suggestions that they only sort of big up games when they get paid for it and all that kind of stuff you know what the best kind are the kind that just play the game to show you them playing the game and you can enjoy it and have a giggle with how they talk and uh, uh, I think PewDiePie was in there wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. he was there yeah, okay. I, I quite enjoy some of his streams as well. Uh, some of them, not all of them. I, some I, of them are I, I voted for him actually. Okay. Mm. Um, but Fair my son yeah. got really excited that oh, he was watching something on Disney XD, I think it was, and he noticed that one of his his favourite YouTubers is now appearing as a YouTuber on Disney XD. Oh, right, okay. No, I mean, we had that with, you know, the, a couple of weeks ago, they had this big, massive uh, Star Wars 24-hour day unboxing. There, there's all these Star Wars toys that are going to be out for oh, Christmas. Okay. Yeah. They had a 24-hour around-the-world stream. 
on and every hour they would show in you know they'd unbox one of these things and of course the one in london is gregory's favorite youtuber and oh it's just got his most horrible screechy voice and you i just wanted <laughs> to almost throw something at the telly but you know yeah and like I said, I'm an old fart now. <laughs> well, if people if people are into watching stuff on YouTube, obviously Chaos Champs has a YouTube channel. You can so watch top it five matches. Top, Absolutely. Top sh- yeah. <laughs> We're not on here, though. Gaming personality of the year. But anyway. Uh, yeah, that didn't take long. No. no. What, what I was going to say, though, I mean, in terms of not voting in the, the, the categories that I don't have an opinion on, this is the first <laughs> year... This is the first year I've obviously been so converted over to playing games on the PC. This is the first year I've not had an opinion on the Nintendo category or on the the PlayStation or Xbox category for that matter. I looked at it and I realised I really had nothing to 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 vote on on those. Um, so going to the going to the Nintendo one, I, I looked at it and I just realised how few of the games I'd played. And yeah, I mean, it's like I, I was trying to work out if it's because. Nintendo have moved on to the kind of Wii U, and I don't have a Wii U, uh, and maybe yes. the 3DS has taken a bit of a back seat. But I think it's partly because I didn't enjoy Majora's Mask as much as I expected to. It's the only Zelda game I haven't finished, having started it, and I haven't played Xenoblade Chronicles, which is meant to be really good, but I'm not going to vote for something because it's meant to be good. But in terms of the other stuff in there, they were all Wii U titles, and I, I sort of feel a bit—I feel a bit left behind by Nintendo this year. I don't know if any of you guys had any other categories that you normally sort of would vote on that you actually felt you didn't know anything about. <laughs> no, not at all. It was—it was—it was. It's not. There's nothing much in there that you know. I wouldn't have gone to the Golden Joysticks to vote had I not been directed to by Frontier, which means that the Chaos Reborn wouldn't have got the votes that I gave it, and well, yeah. and Kerbals wouldn't have got the votes that I gave it at all because I just wouldn't have gone. It's not an award ceremony I'm familiar with. It's not an award ceremony that I have any sort of keen interest to be part of. Okay, um, it's quite a long-standing one though. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean they were doing the Golden. Uh, joystick awards way back when the original Elite was was being done, wasn't it? Is, is I don't early eighties. Why that old? Is it? Oh, I thought I thought it went back to the. I thought it was. I thought this was like the twenty first year or something weird like that. I could. Yeah, fair enough. Oh no, it's the thirty uh, third. No, you're right. It's yeah. the thirty third year. So yeah, it must go all the way back to um, the original uh, original Elite. Incredible. Yeah. So I mean, I'm looking at, at probably the most wanted games. I'm looking there. There's about three or four that I would I would get really excited about normally, yeah. but I'm just quite happy enough with Elite Dangerous. I can just leave the, yeah. these behind. Spoken like a true fanboy, I suppose. Yeah. Now there's an interesting one for me, and I know Ben's got some thoughts on this. But innovation of the year, personally, I'm, I'm going to say this personally. I feel that there's been quite a lot of really interesting stuff happening in gaming this year in terms of peripherals and general technology. When I looked down the Innovation of the Year category, I was underwhelmed by what was there. I wasn't sure if that's because some of the stuff that I've seen hasn't been nominated or or what. What What do you think, Ben? I'm completely with you. I mean, you know, we've seen brilliant innovation like... In terms of the oh, the 3D stuff that we've seen coming out, yeah. Oh, and the the new controller that Oculus are doing as well—that looks really interesting. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're getting things like first-person mode in a game. That's I not know. innovation. No, you know, it's crazy. I'm isn't it? Sorry, it's not innovation. 
Um, yeah. yeah, okay, 3D head tracking on the 3DS, gimmick. Well, I know, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Yeah, it's I, not I, innovation, I, it's a no, gimmick. I, I, I voted for that, actually, just because it's not innovation in terms of, in some respects, the technology, but it's incredible that a device as small and as low-powered as the 3DS is able to adjust its display based on a camera pointing at you. I mean, the 3DS is a lo- fa- fairly low processor device. Yeah, well, I don't see... You know, we, we've got two cameras pointing at you. Yeah. It's... Is not we've had technology that can detect head tracking from cameras back in the eighties. There is nothing new here. It's not innovation. No, no. But shrinking it down and putting it in the three DS, I think is, I think is. It's, no, that's it's it, it's nice, but it's not innovation. No, no, no. You know, I, I, got I, it, I we've got it. We've got it in phones and things like that as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. In a, in a year that has seen so much progress in terms of mm. virtual reality systems. I'm amazed that that list of innovations is so weak. Oh, what was the the other one? Uh, Final Fantasy 15s. You got innovation for a demo? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Okay, I I have to admit, I haven't seen the demo. I haven't played it. But, you know, the first time in history that a demo was patched, and this is meant to be innovation. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I actually the one that I was actually int- uh, like and that I have looked into was the Project Morpheus thing, and okay. I do think that actually does look quite exciting. That's Sony's VR thing. PlayStation VR thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that looked quite interesting. Okay. I mean, are these things innovations that are out now or are due to be out? Uh, I mean, obviously. I'm assuming yeah. that the commercial version of Oculus Rift wasn't considered because it's not out yet. Mind you, the DQ2 uh, did win it last year. <laughs> oh, the Gear VR is out now, isn't it, for the Samsung? Yeah. It's, it's a bit like some of the other categories. It's a case of how you judge innovation. I mean, is an innovation something that you've presented that people have been impressed with, or is it something that you're actually able to get your hands on in a shop and take no, home? Innovation is something new. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah, I, there's very little that's new here. But I'd have said the DK2. I suppose DK2 is getting on a bit now, isn't it? But mm. well, <coughs> ah, there you go. Um, oh, no, the DK2 won it last year. Oh, did it? Oh, that, well, that yeah. seems fair. Yeah, it won. It won it last year. Um, I think the commercial version might have been up for it because what with the new controllers and things like that. But you know, maybe it wasn't out in time to be considered, or um, they what hadn't announced Steam it. What about Steam machines? Actually. Yeah, stores as well. But Colin, you were talking about most wanted games. Is there anything in here that stood out for people as being... I know what you mean, actually. I've, I've, I've been a little bit kind of... Like I say, because I've got a lot of games I'm enjoying at the moment, I've not looked mm. at that list and thought, yes, there is something in there I really want. Uh, well, has anyone spotted anything? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, the Star Wars Battlefront. I think everybody really is wanting to have a go at that. I'm actually underwhelmed by that. With after what yeah. they're saying about the lack of space battles. Oh yeah, I know. I know what you mean about that. But yeah, um, like that, yeah. sorry, that, that's ben. not Star. You say that, Ben. I, I want my Millennium Falcon flying for the Death Star. You're going to go. And okay, and I can do that in elite, that. You're going to play that, and you're going to go around shooting stormtroopers, and you're going to love it. And you know you mm. are. You would just like a little bit more. So you're still going to go and spend money in this game, even though it's not exactly. What I you might want. get it in discount, but I don't think I'm going <laughs> to buy it straight out of the box. No. <laughs> no, I just, well, I never, I never, I never buy a, an EA game straight out of the box anyway. 
<laughs> I mean, I think my, I my concern about sorry, carry on, man. I have to admit, the thing that I'm actually looking forward to the most is the new Fallout 4 game. That's fair. Um, and, I mean, I'm actually looking forward to that so much that I'm actually replaying oh, New Vegas at the moment. Okay. Mm. Right. Uh, well, I think, uh, uh, apart from the Battlefront, I think it'd be Deus Ex, Mankind Divided. Mostly yeah, because I'm, I'm still... Uh, I've just finished the deleted... The the, the previous one to that, and uh, I was completely blown away, apart from the ending, <laughs> which I won't spoil. The thing is, I really enjoyed it, but one of the things about it was I, I wanted to then replay it with different choices to see, mm-hmm. you know, because it's all the game's meant to be down to kind of how you modify yourself and how you play it. And I actually found on a second playthrough, I, I, I was very underwhelmed. Um, it didn't have a good replay value for me, so. I think that's kind of muted my excitement for a new one. Battlefront, I am interested in, but I'm a little bit cautious about Battlefront because the, the, the videos I've seen of it, the battles look incredible, but it reminds me of something like, we used to play a lot of Battlefield um, mm. at LAN parties, and actually it's a game where if you've only got 10 people in a match, it doesn't make any sense because you've got like a 10 square mile map and 10 players on it. That's not war, that's that's a desert. Do you know what I mean? That's just, that's nobody around. So looking at the videos of Star Wars Battlefront, I'm like, if you've got 64 people on this map, it would be incredible. If you've got 10 of you, you're going to be thinking, where am I going? Who do I shoot at? What on earth am I supposed to be doing? Yeah, you have that with with all online games, as we're discovering with CQC. Well, exactly. I think I'm sort of, yeah, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to laugh at myself uh, and say I'm still sort of interested in seeing what happens with The Last Guardian. I, I joke about The Last Guardian because when I was buying my, when I bought my PlayStation 3, I was trying to decide between a PS3 and an Xbox 360. And I went for the PS3 on the basis of The Last Guardian and Heavy Rain. Mm. And The Last Guardian never ended up coming out for the PS3. <laughs> No. And this was years ago. I mean, I bought my PS3. I didn't buy it like quite early on, but I bought it a number of years ago. Um, and The Last Guardian's become a bit of a joke. So to see it on the kind of most wanted game is a bit of a kind of weird thing. Um, I'll be honest, my most wanted game is is Elite Horizons. Oh, no, well, yeah, I think, that, I think that goes without saying, considering yeah. where we are. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I sort of, to me... I know it sort of is a continuation of what's been going on with Elite Dangerous, but because of the way they've pitched it and the way they've marketed it and the kind of content they're talking about on Planet Surfaces, it feels like a whole new game to me. Yeah, can I just make my comparison with Battlezone again? (laughs) Well, yeah, no, there is that. Absolutely, it's fair. Um, Okay. Game platform of the year. (sighs) What do people think? Well, ever since I've got an Xbox One, I've been quite impressed with it. I still, I still end up going to Steam for a lot of my stuff. Yeah. Although I'm, I must admit, I'm, I'm coming around to some of the the Android Play Store. That does seem to be quite nice. Okay. I actually quite like what God Galaxy's doing. That wasn't even an option. Okay. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. But that's just another version of Steam, if you think about it. Well, it's similar, but it's not. It's, it's an online store, but mm. as, as somebody who has way too many consoles for his own good. <laughs> <laughs> I have the, the PS4, PS3, the Xbox One, and I've never been an Xbox player at all uh, until I got the Xbox One, and I've also got the Wii U, which is actually a really beautiful console and completely 
ignored by you know Nintendo until maybe this year when we get some decent stuff for it. <laughs> the nice thing is, I mean, this is the way it works. Wii U is your family console for family games that are fun, friendly, and all you know, ultimately really addictive and annoying. Then you've got your Playstations and your Xboxes, and it's sad to say, the games on these consoles are very anti-social. They're single players most of the time. Very difficult to find a decent multiplayer that you can play at home with your family members. Oh, it's multiplayer online, brilliant, great. But they're mostly a solo experience, and, and that's where... I find it difficult. Now, I was always a PlayStation, loved my PlayStation 3, got played every bloom and day, every weekend, either with the kids, we'd be doing the likes of, you know, uh, Little Big Planet, or it would be a racing game, a Micro Machines clone, or something along those lines. My PlayStation's in a box, sitting there doing nothing. It's not been played in two, three months, easily, and, and not much before that either. My Xbox gets used every day, not for gaming. Okay. So, to media center, is it? I think it, it will kind of, yeah, it just kind of is. So, I mean, I do some occasional play the Elite game on it, but that's pretty much the only game on the Xbox that I play. And, and, and it kind of, I used to have all these games that you play. I think time and your age and things changing in your situations to sort of control these things. But we'll mm. fire up that Wii U when the family's in for some fun and we'll play that to death. And in my mind, you know, it's possibly one of the most underrated consoles out there yeah is Splatoon as much fun as it looks like I don't know <laughs> <sighs> yeah I've been watching some videos for that and I think it just looks like crazy stupid fun I, I know a lot I'm part of a, a sort of Nintendo group on Facebook uh, Nintendo gamers um, in my sort of local area and it is a huge it is a huge popular thing um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go on a limb I to be honest in this category I voted Steam I mean, I know I'm slightly new, maybe, to the PC gaming scene compared to previous years, but I think Steam's had an incredible year. I've I've never played such a wide range of games, such a huge number of indie games. I mean, just in the last year, what have I played? I've played, obviously, there's Chaos Reborn, Invisible Ink, there's Shadowrun games we're finding, Ronin was incredible, Subject 13, Kickstarter I backed that got through Steam... Dungeon of the Endless, you know, Chroma Squad, uh, Door Kickers, Papers, Please, although that's kind of, that's, that's a slightly old thing, but uh, I'm just kind of going through my games this year. But, you know, Alien Isolation, Space Chem, I discovered, FTL. I mean, it's, you know, Legend of Grimrock 1 and 2. I just think the, the breadth of stuff that's available on Steam, if, you know, if we're talking about a platform as somewhere you can go onto and be guaranteed of finding something new and something incredible and having a really direct relationship with the game's creators. Because, I mean, I think Steam makes you feel very close sometimes to the people that are pushing out these games. I, I just think, I think Steam's been incredible uh, this last 12 months. It's, it's kind of revolutionised the way that I, that I engage with games. And not least, you know, because of the whole Steam streaming thing, it's enabled me to kind of leave my high-powered PC sitting here in the studio and I can take my rubbish six-year-old laptop anywhere else in the house and I can sit and play my current Steam games, you know, streaming over my home network. And it's, I just think it's been brilliant. I've got to give that a try. It works really well. In fact, you know what? Not even my six-year-old laptop. I've got a 10- or 11-year-old 
tablet PC. It's so old it uses a stylus pen to interact with the screen. And it's this terrible old thing. It has hardly any power on it, and you can stream Steam games to it. And it's brilliant. I leave okay, it that sounds pretty impressive. It's great. And I mean, you get... I wouldn't... <clears throat> I suppose it helps that I play a lot of turn-based games. I don't know how well it would work for something like... I don't even know if Elite runs on the Steam streaming thing. But I think if you were playing a twitchy game, you might struggle. But if you're playing a game that's mouse-driven and is kind of turn-based, Civilization V, Invisible Ink, Chaos, any of these things, it just runs brilliantly. Absolutely brilliantly. And it's essentially just a virtual desktop, as I discovered on Chaos Champs when I tried to stream Chaos to my other computer. It replicated my entire desktop instead of just the game, um, yeah. which is a bit awkward when we were trying to go live. Um, but it, yeah, just, you know... I don't, know, I don't know what other people's experiences of Steam have been this year, but for me, it's just been brilliant. And that's coming from someone who, probably two years ago, my 3DS was my favourite gaming machine. Um, but actually, Steam's just been an amazing platform. Yeah, I mean, I had that moment basically about five years ago when I first discovered Steam, and yeah, I completely agree. I still love it. It's great. Um, my yeah, only it's- concern is it's maybe a little bit too big in the PC gaming market now. Well, it is a practically a monopoly. You, yeah, you can't like Elite Dangerous found out. I think the 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 best way to get your game out there is on Steam, which means paying Valve. And if yeah. Valve don't like you, you're, you're basically yep. screwed. Yeah, but it's a testament to their success. I mean, I, I was in game the other day. <laughs> yeah, I was, in, I was in game a lot of days, and I was looking at the PC section and the games they've got there. They've still got a PC thinking, section. They have, and most of the games. It's only about half a shelf. Well, yeah, and it is basically boxed versions of what you can get on Steam for about 50% of what game are trying to charge. So like Endless Legend, they have a boxed version of that in there. And you do, yeah, and you do just think, what's the point? What's the point when Steam are doing it so well? And actually, I take your point about GOG and actually Humble. I think GOG and Humble have both done a brilliant job of being so successful in the face of Steam. Because Steam is so... Humble and... Humble basically distributes a lot of its games via Steam. So you yeah, buy the, you get the Humble bundle, and then it gives you a Steam key. Exactly. But I'm not even just talking about the Humble bundles, which are incredible. But Humble have their own store, and they have their yeah. own ways of doing things, their own sales. And I think that both Humble and GOG have done a really good job of kind of making a space their own, in spite of the juggernaut that is Steam. Well, no, the... the- they couldn't go directly up against Steam, could they? I mean, they've, they've, they've got their own unique little angle. Mm. Well, I mean, GOG is all, isn't GOG all DRM? Well, no, GOG, GOG is DRM-free. Yeah, yeah DRM-free. Sorry, DRM-free is what I mean. But also, they're the old games that you wouldn't be able to play on modern PCs. And there, there are some crackers out there, in there. Yeah. So that's, that's how they managed to build up their business beforehand. Yeah, but they do, yeah, beforehand, absolutely. But, I mean, they do sell a lot of recent stuff as well. Mm. Well, they've got to now. I think they've run out of the back catalog. Well, I'll tell you what I really dislike about game. One thing (laughs) I I really dislike... Other 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 than the fact that staff regularly lie about (laughs) that it's accessible elsewhere. Would you like to pre-order that? We're going to, you know, that's the only way you'll get a copy of this game. Is it? Really? Okay. Uh, What I resent is that you go into the shop and you want to pick up a box version of a game and there on the shelf is a flipping Steam voucher so you can go home and download it. Why the hell did I come in? I could have just stayed at home. <laughs> but that's what I've always said about um, the, the boxed version of Elite Dangerous. I'm like, what's it got in it? 
a download, like a, a thing that says, go on to Elite Dangerous and type in this code and download it. Is yeah. that what it does? Well, basically, no, you got CD. Yeah, but it, the CD just contains an out-of-date installer for the game. <laughs> yeah, It doesn't have the game on it, does it? Not the one that we're currently running, no. No, Actually, no, you know what Gogger's doing at the moment? They're they're evil. I don't like Gogger at the moment. They're what's that? they're evil, evil beings. Oh, Indie Pinata. Yeah, yeah, Indie yeah. Pinata. Brilliant. <laughs> Those cunning devils. I don't do it just because I know that I'll get some kind of bullet hell shooter, and I, I can't. I hate this. Mm. <laughs> but there's loads of them. But yeah, they've got quite a nice sale at the moment. In fact, if people are interested in Invisible Ink, it's currently on thirty five percent off on Gog. There you go. Um, we are okay. reiterated. It's not Gog. It's G O G. L O L. Whatever. Yeah. Good old. <laughs> good old games. Good old yeah. games. But they, you know, they do sell modern games as well. They've got The Witcher Three on there. So yeah. Oh yeah. Well, oh, there's yeah. the company behind The Witcher Three. Is it? Yeah. Do you know what? Actually, I knew that because I went to their when they launched Gog. I went to their um, <laughs> their press conference at E3. Um, and they were talking about The Witcher 2 and GOG. I thought I should have remembered, but I didn't. Can I Fair admit enough. I just got Splunky for three do- for three dollars? No. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the game on GOG that I've been meaning to get and revisit is the old um, Star Trek point-and-click adventures that came out in the sort of early nineties. Because yeah, I've got, I've got some of them. They were they're really they're really good, especially the ones with the voice acting. Well, the, these ones have the voice acting work, yeah. and just hearing the the banter in there, even though it's, it's it just <laughs> takes your back. Okay, so I think that's we've we've pretty much covered uh, the golden joysticks. Um, there are a whole load of other categories for various things. Do go and take a look. There, you know, there are such such things as the esports icon. I noticed that neither myself or John Stabler are on that list. Um, <laughs> but there's specific categories for PlayStation and Xbox. There's Family Game of the Year. There's, what else is there of interest? Best Visual Design. We didn't cover Best Visual Design. Um, personally, slightly disappointed not to see Elite Dangerous up for that as well, actually. I think, I think Elite would have been a worthy, worthy contender in there. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's a pity. Um, considering that something's in there like Dragon Age Inquisition, which arguably it does look incredible, but it looks exactly the way you expected it to look. <laughs> Whereas Elite Dangerous kind of is sort of innovating. But anyway, that, that's by the by. Um, we're just going to very, have we got time to just very quickly run through the the dev news? There's some quite interesting stuff. We, we do want to we do want to actually we do want to just cover the audio team AM added on Reddit um, because it's absolute gold. And I have to say. Um, it's huge. I mean, I've just looked. I've just been looking at our own summary document of what happened on the AMA, um, and it's even our summary is pages and pages and pages. Um, but there is some absolutely fantastic stuff in there. Um, does anyone have any things that kind of stood out for them from the the, the Q and A with the the audio team? Yeah, the, the sort of one question was asked that, that, that well, it may be of interest actually to people listening as well was by a commander Bearhinge. Who, uh, no, I think he's joined some suck up high best game audio team in the world. You know, well, yeah, they are, you're right. It's totally right. His questions were that he was curious about the tools that they use and which software they use for the sound production, and is it the same for everyone? They also wanted to know if there's any calib- uh, calibration 
collaboration. Thank you very much, Tom. Put my teeth back in in sound production and do they you know do they use any specific tools? So you ask that again. Do you create a custom synth engine for all these sounds? And are there any interesting real-world sounds you use as a base to create some in unique in-game sounds? So yes, Joe Hogan from Frontier, who's the lead audio designer, replied that they use Vegas, Cubase, Ableton Live, Soundforge, Digital Performer, and that each of them have their own preferred weapon of choice, and it's not the same for everyone, and that they do collaborate on most things, which is, you know, when they throw ideas around the studio at each other. Uh, their audio system is something called WYs, and their ship engines all happen in that, with a lot of wizardry in both WYs to make the sounds as dynamic as possible, and in the creation of the sounds that WYs plays. I'm not sure if it's WYs or WYs, but <coughs> WYs sounds something. And they always try to use real-world recordings, and this is why... I picked this particular question. Uh, Joe Hogan says that his gas hob igniting is part of the Python's engines. That's brilliant. And also that the, for the ship, he recorded his own voice growling for one of the bassy layers. His shed rattling and his parents' in-law garage door providing a lot of the creaking and groaning sounds and boosts, interdictions and capital ship arrivals. And well, he was re- recently recording grit noises for the SRV. So obviously that's going to be coming out in Horizons. And the dust made him sneeze, and they used his sneeze in it as well as part of the suspension. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. That's good. That's brilliant. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that answer was really kind of eye-opening for me because I remember uh, a little while ago Frontier were advertising a post for a, um, a sound unit. And a couple of people kind of sent the job my way and you know, why don't you kind of throw your hat in the ring for this? And I have to say, I felt I, I didn't want to apply for it because I assumed, having heard a lot of their sound effects, in, you know, in working on the audio books and stuff, because of how great they sound and how original and unique they sound, I assumed they were kind of synthing this stuff and creating a lot of these, sound, these sounds from scratch. And I had no idea that they did so much kind of foley and use of real-world sound effects. I think if I'd known that, <laughs> I might have chanced my hand. Because that's, you know, that's... Uh, for me, that's the really interesting part of sound design, is finding interesting kind of sounds and recording them and, and kind of reworking them. Yeah, I thought that. I thought they were synth engineers. I didn't realise there was so much actual uh, foley recording. So that's cool. Colin, do you have anything? Uh, no, I think everything that I've been... I've been uh, looking through. Um, I think it's already been covered. I do, yeah. I do like the fact that uh, the ship's computer turns out to be one of the guy's wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So I made a joke about docking request denied, which I think was quite funny. And, and <laughs> the fact that the fact that uh, she quite likes the fact that she's now uh, a friendship drive meme because the yeah. Americans don't seem to be able to <laughs> differentiate between frame shift or friendship. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, Mind you, good. I suppose that's revenge for Siri, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Can't understand uh, my blood. Only, only to the Scots. I actually, I mean, this is <laughs> taking us back almost to the golden joystick things, and I really like just the banter that the guys had in the Twitch, not the Twitch, yeah. the Ask Me Anything, like at the end when they're asking about how you pronounce flanger. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, Matt's saying, I'm not sure you'd have to rewatch Star Trek. Um, slightly silly under answer, Flanger, but I'm Dutch, so I might not be asking, I might be the best person to ask. And then <laughs> you know, his boss is basically saying, no, Matt, it's Flanger. And Matt's then saying, 
sorry to any Dutch people listening. Vodvet jij daar nou van or something, which basically means what do you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant. And it's just like the banter that they've got, and that's the kind of thing that I actually think means that Frontier. That's what I'd like from a development house, and that's what I like about. They just seem so laid back and so friendly, and that's what yeah, makes them a good yeah. studio in my mind. I think that's anybody, cool. yeah, anybody that's got an issue with Frontier and finds them <clears throat> silent and and standoffish, need to come along to one of the events they're at because when you meet them, you'll understand that. It really couldn't be further from the case. They are excited, in fact, almostly overly excited to talk about what they're doing, what's happening in the game, what you're going to see, and sometimes they, you know, they they say things that they shouldn't. And I think <laughs> a lot of the silence is that company line and that barrier that you know they can't they can't speak freely all the time. But when you meet them at the likes of LaveCon, if you meet them at uh, the Games Cons or the various different conventions that they're at over the year, you'll find out that they're just really, genuinely nice, excited people who are extremely proud of what they're working on and so happy to hear people compliment it. And they're willing for the challenge. If you've got something you want to sort of say, all right, you're in charge of that. Why? They'll tell you why, because there is always a reason. Yeah, 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 totally. And that goes all the way from, like, the support guys all the way up to David Braben. You know, you mm. just, I've interacted with the support team, and they've always been really nice, really friendly, and good for a laugh. And then also in my communication when I've spoken to David, he's been like, he's always come across as, he's just so enthusiastic, and he, he just, he gushes more than Grant does. <laughs> Impossible. Yeah, I say that, that that's impossible. <laughs> well, to go, go back to the audio thing, I, I like the uh, there was a question from uh, Commander Shazbot uh, asking them what their favourite piece of audio in a movie game is, movie slash game. But and again, this is just the thing about. I mean, we see a lot of comments and stuff online. There's a dreadful elite dangerous group on Facebook for people posting kind of confrontational stuff, and I think everyone assumes that they're in dreadful competition with a lot of these people. But actually, you know, they're, they're keen gamers like anyone else. And I like the fact that in their answer to this, you know, they cite Alien Isolation as being, again, one of their favourite games for sound, which, we, you know, we talked about because it's up for the, the golden joystick as well for sound. And also, you know, looking to hear what, what No Man's Sky does. And, you know, a lot of people think that, like, No Man's Sky is going to be this big bolt hole for... For, for you know the people who are pissed off with Elite Dangerous but actually the Elite Dangerous guys are keen to see No Man's Sky as well and you know really excited about it so you know more space games can't be bad but yeah I really like their reference stuff I like the fact they said standard answer would be anything that Ben Burt has worked on um, that's pretty cool <laughs> the guy is a genius Okay, so uh, moving on, we are we are rapidly running out of time, um, but I think we should probably definitely give a mention to the CQC mayhem thing. Frontier have got to the stage where they are keen to start stress testing the CQC servers. So by way of kind of trying to bring people in and get lots of people onto the testing at once, um, they're broadening the beta test. I think they said they're opening it up to everybody. Is that right? Today, yep. yes, it's done. Today, it's done it's today. It's- Yep, it's today, uh, it's done, it's out. Okay, brilliant. Uh, and so hopefully there will be, we will be doing some coverage of that at some point. But yes, yeah, CQC Mayhem, basically you have the option of forming up a team and now is it is it forming up teams and playing each other or is it just forming up teams and playing Frontier? It's a 
bit of everything. What they want okay. is they want people who can Twitch stream. They want Twitch streamers to get groups together. They want them to run their own battles. They want you to make your squads. Now, we do have some advice with regards to matchmaking. Unfortunately, tonight has been pretty horrific, which may well be down to the beta downloads affecting the matchmaking system. But I've had a couple of games there where there was three of us dumped into a versus match in two teams and there wasn't another team. So for 12 minutes, we had to fly around doing nothing. <laughs> uh, can't get into deathmatch and stuff. So there's issues tonight, but they'll be resolved. So what they want you to do is <clears throat> get a group of four. And the reason why we say four is because don't put any more on a squad. There's no point. It doesn't work. It doesn't do anything <laughs> for you. Just get a squad of four. And if you make a mistake, if someone leaves the squad, go back to the main menu, everybody, and then come back in. One person dedicate yourself as being the team captain. You invite the three other people to your team only, only once. If you do it twice or somebody screws it up, go back to the main menu and then come back in. The reason why we say this is because there's all kinds of peculiarities in the menu system that seem to be that if you invite six people and, and five people join, then you're not going to be able to play games. So one leaves and you still can't get matched up. The best success we've found is coming in clean, inviting three other people to that team, having another team on standby who did the same thing. Once we're all ready, we go three, four, Oh, sorry, three, two, one, not the up the way, down the way, do a countdown, much easier. And on one, both teams, leaders, pressed the team deathmatch, the team um, conflict. And boom, both teams appeared in the same instance, and we were playing for hours, having a carry-on, and it was great. So, <laughs> teams of four are key, teams of two and three, and, and don't seem to work quite as well, and single players into deathmatch can be quite successful, but even teams of four into deathmatch can be quite successful, and something that we should probably feed back to Frontier is, if I've got a squad of four people, and I click on deathmatch, how come it doesn't just put us into a deathmatch? Because if I go in myself, I can find myself in a deathmatch with three players, but they come from different places, if you know what I mean. They're not part yeah, of my okay. squad. So why yeah. it doesn't work intuitively, because really you should be able to fill your squad with eight people, click on you know individual deathmatch, or even team deathmatch if it was there, and then it should split that eight people up evenly. And I think that's something that it needs to do. But for Mayhem, mm. want you to arrange yourself into groups, keep an eye out in the forum and things, get involved, Play as many games as you can. We need to kick the backside of this beta. We need to stretch this matchmaking and make sure that it's ready for release. And we need people to do that. So I think there's a couple of days that they've uh, highlighted that they want people to do it on, isn't there? Starting the, 20, the week of the 21st. Okay. The week of the 21st. So yeah, just yeah, as many yeah. people as you can get online and into CQC Deathmatch. Join us on the Live Radio Team Speak. Um, channel because it's a great way it's much easier to coordinate these kind of things if you're in talk <laughs> you know if you can talk to people and say right I'm inviting X I'm inviting Y move yourself into your own little room and then you can play in your own team and it's great and it just allows you to coordinate these things and when we've coordinated these things in the last couple of nights because obviously I can't coordinate tonight because we're on air but when we've coordinated it through TeamSpeak it's worked pretty much each time within a matter of a few minutes so it's been a lot easier whereas tonight it's, stuck. it's beta none of your damn business beta I'll say beta <laughs> they're saying it's beta <clears throat> no beta 
Um, yeah, cool. And so uh, is that a challenging, Grant, a lave radio taking on all comers? Well, you know, see, this is the thing. There's going to be loads of them. We're going to have live radio groups out there, so we, you know, we can twitch on that night. They want you to twitch. Send um, Zach and Tanachi your Twitch usernames, what times you're playing, so that he can make sure that Elite can host and show off the fact that all these people are playing CQC. They want to really go all out on this. So, yeah, live radio. We'll need to keep <laughs> up. Just pick your best. Oh, I see. It's not for it's not for debugging purposes, so that they can see what's happening on. Oh, it, it is as well. It's, it's but, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, might as well make it, make it have a laugh doing it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, fair enough. And we've, um, got, we've got Hutton Orbital. We've got to submit a team, and we're, I think we're taking on a code representative to try and put some things to rest. Um, so we've currently encouraged all the people that were involved in the Hutton Truckers to get into CQC tomorrow night. And I don't know what time it was. I think it's 8 p.m. or 8.30 p.m. in order to do some CQC intensive practice so I believe we're calling that what was it <laughs> I'm not even going to go there because I just remember what the acronym <laughs> is um, so <laughs> join us for some intensive training that's the last that's how it ends <laughs> intensive training hot something something IT and um, join us and we you know and again Live Radio will be in there we'll hopefully get Jarvis into uh, maybe get Mr Stroud to join us for a CQC match we'll maybe do a maybe Try and get the whole team versus each other. That'd be quite good on one of the nights I, as well. Indeed, I, can even, I, can, I can even twitch now. I've got shiny new internet. Yeah, excellent. So it's to be great. I mean, one of the things I think we I'd like to try, and I'm not sure how practical it is, is to take the feeds from each. And well, I know we can use multi-stream, which is great, and the user can pick which ship to follow. But it would be awesome to have all eight ships streaming so that people can jump from the switch you know, to each different ship to see what's going on from the different points of view. And I think that would be absolutely spectacular. Uh, but we'll just have to wait and see how we can do. Yeah, cool. Okay, uh, moving quickly on then, because uh, we need to wrap up. Uh, just going through the, the newsletter, an excellent shout-out in the newsletter for the, the, the Hutton community goal. Uh, I think, Grant, kudos to you and Dave and all the guys involved. Um, that was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and it's nice that Frontier have recognised just how brilliant that was. They, they've been they've been involved, and we've had a lot of sort of thanks. And unfortunately, I think it means you've set a bar. And when you set a bar, yeah, yeah, we're in trouble. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, so pictures in the uh, newsletter of what they're calling the largest uh, pilotable federal ship, the Federal Corvette. I have to say, I did a double take when I saw this because I actually thought that it was the capital ship. It's obviously just like a smaller version of the capital ship. Oh, yeah, mine, I must admit, I looked at this and thought, wow, that, that, that looks fantastic. And then I noticed, hang on a sec, what are huge hard points? I haven't seen huge hard points before, have I? Huge hard it's, points is what's on the bottom of the Ferdelance. I was going to say Ferdelance. Oh, the Ferdelance has got what, a, huge, a huge one, has it? Yes, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's the accelerator, <laughs> isn't it? And I think an Anaconda's got a huge one as well. well fair enough. So, right. Sorry, what are you talking about? <laughs> hard, uh, even phrase hard point sounds bad. Well, I, I mean, just talking about the, the Federal Corvette, I have to give a shout out to the Federal Baguette, which was a joke ship that was made by Jackie McMackie or something like that on Reddit. <laughs> it just basically just extended it out ridiculously. And it just, it's so funny. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, moving on. Uh, Community Corner. Huge applause for Selizen, uh Dave Hughes. 
his 24-hour Twitch-a-thon for Marie Curie cancer. Um, it was, I think, 2,100 and something change. Um, I think he raised over a thousand pounds in the twenty-four hours because obviously he'd been raising money for yeah. a little time, and it was it was fantastic. Um, I think John and I joined him for some Grand Theft Auto. We did some role play with him, uh, yeah. and Mad Dog came, and it's again another thing that just shows how awesome this community is. That we yeah. all just muck in and help each other out. Any ideas you want to raise money, we're there. We will help you. Yep. To tell us how we can help you. And he was yep. brilliant. And of course, um, Frontier staff joining in with you on the RPG. That's right, yes, we had... Yeah. No, I, I'm afraid I missed all of that. It was my daughter's um, second birthday at the weekend. Uh, and it's, and she, my daughter shares a birthday with my dad. So we had a weekend off family partying, so I didn't hear it. So how did the RPG go and how did the Frontier guys get on with that? Well, we had Ed and... Now, I cannot remember his name. He's the one that designed the skins for, um, for Lavecon, which was great. Yeah, I know who you mean. And he was there, and Tijar, something like that, isn't he? Yeah, he was was quite an avid RPGer, so it was very interesting to have him um, on the group. And it was, yeah, it was as usual, typically manic and craziness uh, with an angry barman, uh, (laughs) believing myself, (laughs) and every time they move my tables. But I think we just we ended it with unusual success. For a, for a late radio RPG, <laughs> nobody got hit with a wrench because Fozzo wasn't there, and uh, yeah, we were left in a situation where we were just about to extort some money. So that was quick. Okay, is it going to carry on? I don't know. I hope so. Fair enough. Um, and uh, is there anything else we want to cover before we say goodnight? We're trying to keep the show to the two-hour point. <laughs> well, I'm afraid we'll have to. I think we'll have to leave the um, the questions. I mean, Ad Demont, oh, okay. oh. Ag Debronsky did go into a lot of detail. He sent us a, some very interesting uh, information about how long it takes to get stuff through Microsoft for the Xbox version. Which, uh, but I think we've run out of time. We can we'll certainly cover that, another cover time, that next that week. That is very interesting. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I have to mention about EGX, not this week, but uh, next week. Oh, yeah. And um, so Frontier is going to be doing a panel on Friday about that. And obviously they'll be there th- um, through the whole thing. I'm going to be there Thursday, Friday evenings, Saturday, Sunday, most of the time. Lisa and I think Crash are going to be there on the Saturday as well. Um, Frontier are going to try, and Zach is you know very insistent that it's trying, not promising, that he'll try to get us an uh, interview and some sound bites with the guys after the Frontier panel on the Friday, and then he'll try and have, give us chat to all of us a bit more in depth on the Saturday, hopefully. But obviously, everything is time dependent. Okie dokie. So, if anybody has any questions that they want me to ask Frontier. Send us a tweet, give us an email, info at laveradio.com. That would be awesome, because I'm kind of getting excited about this. Okay, right. Is, is this list of in-game commanders up to date? Am I going to do the world's fastest set of shout-outs? It is, very, it is fairly up to date. I'm, I'm impressed, considering this is a beta, how busy Lave Station's <laughs> been this evening. 
Okie dokie, mm. here we go. In-game commanders, thank you for joining us. Uh, Mindwipe, Rat King, Gal Midden, Babster, E-Pilot 007, Freedom, Zenoic, Dissington and Raskin. And in IRC chat, we have Penguin, Alien, Arkinbaust, Aziron, Babster, Highbite, Ian Norton, Icefire, Pain, Tiatime, Ventura, me... Come on, Ashling, Fiverr, Gimme, Goose, 4291, Mangle, Markdis, Midden, Mindwipe, Nuked, Nilsen, Ripped, Sneva, Snoz, Starian, Vantaya. Anybody Good. got the Twitch names? Yes, we do indeed. Uh, oh, can I also just say a congratulations to Karash and to Ian M. Norman for your community spotlight. I know I did it first. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, I did one at first, but, yeah. <coughs> but you know, congratulations gets well deserved. Uh, we have on Twitch, we have AD123UK, Axarak, Arms Like Noodles, Basildebrit, CJ Reynolds, Kbapsta, Ignatius J. Reilly, Commander McLaren, Commanders Digirel, Drago. 6777, Frying Bullet, Galactic, Midden, Garzini, Icefire, 122, Six Karma War, Mackin, 71, Mech, Shadow Beast, Millstone Barn, None Your Damn Business, Nothing Manning, Pappy, 55 UK, Freedom One, Probo, 1154, Rascon, 42, Rat King, Sentinel, Shazbut, Snevis, Snoopix, T Corkin, Waxman, Watcher, and right down the bottom, I can't quite see, it begins with a W, no, no, it's X Pain X. Nice. Okay, uh, and just a personal thing. Uh, do, uh, do tune in to Chaos Champs tomorrow night on Twitch. Uh, that's twitch.tv forward slash Chaos Champs. Uh, John Stabler and I will be commentating on a live match between Julian Gollop, the creator of Chaos Reborn, uh, and creator of classic games such as Laser Squad, uh, XCOM, uh, the original, and obviously the original Chaos. Um, and he will be playing John Stabler's brother. Uh, Oz, who, if anybody has played him, knows that he is a very tough opponent. Um, so we are looking at a really exciting match uh, between Chris and Julian. Uh, and that will be 9pm British, uh, British summertime tomorrow night on Twitch. Do join us. Uh, thank you very much. That's all for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email us at info at laveradio.com. Uh, we are on Facebook. That's forward slash Lave Radio. Uh, and we are at Lave Radio on Twitter. Uh, you can is the Skype chat channel thing still true? Very true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can join the Skype chat channel by adding Fozzo One Hundred and One to your Skype contacts, or you can join our Teamspeak server where commanders come to hang out in chat. Uh, LaveRadio.teamspeak3.com. Uh, we're here every Tuesday night at eight thirty um, British time, uh, and until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
Damn it. No worries, guys. Hold the fork for two seconds. I'll be right back.